God is for us, who's against us? He purchased us at infinite cost. You're his most precious possession. He put you in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're part of his body. To touch us is to touch Christ. Saul, Saul, Jesus Christ said. You remember when he came to Saul on the road to Damascus? Why are you persecuting my people? Is that what he said? Why are you persecuting me? We are in Christ. When you persecute Christ's people, you're persecuting Christ. Oh, what a tremendous position to be in. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, God is for us. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. What does it matter if they don't let you young person, into their little social clique if God is for you. What does it matter if even your own family reject you? Listen to uh, David. In God, whose word I praise, in God I've put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Huh. All day long, they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down the peoples, O God. Thou hast taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call... This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I've put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Thy vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Every Christian can say that and should. I was reading the 56th Psalm, by the way. Enjoy it. God is for you. That's what David knew. And I tell you, I don't care what they say to you, what kind of opposition you face today. And I know there's opposition. There are things against us. I mean, if you leave God out of the package, we could spend all hour just talking about who's against us. But God's in the package. If God is for us, Who's against us? Enjoy that. Enjoy that. What if your own family's against you? Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Do you think somehow when God is for you that you'll uh, get caught where the deal doesn't turn out right for you? Oh, no. God is for you. I don't know your situation today, but I can tell you this, Christian. God is for you. And you may think, I'm getting the short end of the stick. But I can guarantee you, you're not. 
If you just look at your little circumstances, and that's what we tend to do, we tend to just get our eyes, and that's why we need to get to know Him. Key to this whole issue is seeing who is for us. It is God who is for us. If God is for us, what if they even threaten your life? You know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, David said. Or, you know, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why the Psalms are so loved, because, and one of the reasons they got written was that David didn't have an easy go of it. He was a man after God's own heart, but he went through all the troubles and trials and persecutions of life, and he was a prefiguring of the the son of David, who has gone even to the cross for us, who knows all about it. But David, in the human emotion, he knew what it's like to be under danger. He knew what it's like to be ridiculed, scoffed. He knew what it's like to not know what's around the next bend, and everything looked depressing. And out of that heart poured psalms that we still thrill in today because they're true. He knew God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Think about it. Who should you fear? If the Lord is the defense of your life. If the Lord is your light and salvation, there's no one to fear. God is for us. That banishes all fear. I love that song we've been singing lately. It blows away all our fears to know Him, to know God. Chases all anxiety. Cast, cast your burdens on Him. He cares for you. Cast your anxieties on Him. He cares for you. All false sense of security, which really breeds insecurity if it's security in yourself. That's why we have so much insecurity. If you turn away from that and just look at who's for you, God is for us. Who can be against us? You know, Joshua and Caleb knew it. You think back through the scripture, Joshua and Caleb. Now, you remember when they sent the spies into uh, the promised land to check it out? And they sent 12 men in. And uh, 10 of them came back with these huge reports about who's against us. You know, I'll tell you who's against us. It's a great land. There's no question about that. But I'll tell you what, these people, we can't begin to go in. And then you come to the minority report. And, you know, uh, that's a good good way to label it. you got the majority report and the minority report. And I'll tell you what, if your eyes are on God, Christian, you'll always find yourself in the minority. It's just the way it is in this world. And sadly, often it's that way in the church, among God's people. But uh, the minority report came in quite differently. Joshua and Caleb, here's what they said. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. They didn't dispute that there was trouble they're going to face, that there was a big enemy. They just said, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. Joshua and Caleb knew that God is for us. Who can be against us? Jonathan. Jonathan, another great illustration of that, you know. Uh, remember, he came up against a whole garrison of Philistines by himself. And uh, he was looking the situation over, 
And here's what he said. He had a young man with him that carried his armor. That's all he had. And he said to the young man, as the young man, I take it, was getting the idea, Jonathan's going to take these guys on by himself (laughs) with just me holding his armor? And Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. He said, Listen, let's just go for it. The Lord is not restrained. It's the Lord who's got the battle here, and He's not restrained to save by many or few. Let's go. And you remember what happened. He slaughtered 20 of them just in the initial skirmish. And uh, I read that 20 men fell in an acre of land. I mean, I, th- I think about that sometimes, what it must have been. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, even the garrison. And the raiders trembled, and the earthquake, so that it became a great trembling. God is for us. Who's against us? And David knew the same thing, didn't he? You remember the account when uh, Israel was challenged? The Philistines gathered their armies for battle on one side, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped on the other. And a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits, nine feet, and a span. Nine six, I guess. And he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves, shin guards, on his legs. A bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. And, you know, if you just stop and kind of analyze that, we could exegete that, you know, think, oh, how big, how many pounds is that? How big is this guy? How? And that's sometimes what we do, you know. How bad is the world around us today? How many opposition forces are there? I'll tell you, it's real out there. And all we do is just look at the armor of the enemy. And he stood, and he shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come up to draw in battle array? Draw up in battle array. Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? That's the way he looked at it. I'm the Philistine, and you guys are servants of Saul. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Why waste all the bloodshed on the battlefield? Let's just have one little duel here. I got somebody to come out, and we'll make a deal. If you can kill me, we'll be your servants. If I can kill your best guy, you'll be our servants. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You remember David came to the battlefield And uh, when he came in, he was talking with them. And behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words. And David 
heard them. David heard this. And he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? You see, to David, it wasn't, what's it, what he's, he's taunting the armies of Saul. Oh no, it wasn't Saul's army. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? That's what David saw in this issue. The Philistines said to David, you know, remember David? They tried to fit him with a bunch of armor, and he said, forget it. And he went out there and faced him. And the Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You can just see the disdain. And I know you face that. I know I do at times. In this world that rejects Christ... They just look at us, and they don't call us followers of Christ. They call us followers of Saul, fundamentalists or evangelicals. or You know, they have their little labels, and they say, What are you, am I a dog? You'd come to me with this kind of stuff? And the Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spirit, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands, that all the earth may know that God is God in Israel, that the Lord, he doesn't deliver by man's means, he's God. That's what David knew. And he acted on it, just like Joshua and Caleb and just like David's good friend, Jonathan. You know, it is so good to remember that God is for us. Now, somebody is sure to say, well, yes, okay. Uh, How can I know, though, that God is for me? I mean, if everything hinges on that, and it does, we're no match. I mean, David would have been slaughtered by Goliath. It's obvious. Uh, the Israelites were no match for the inhabitants of the land. Jonathan, how could he go out there and slaughter 20 of them in the first skirmish alone? If everything hinges on the fact that God is for us, and it does, and if everything hinges on who God is, and if we're no match for the enemy, and we're not, how can we know that God is for us? Well, look at our text. i got to go find it. If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? How can I know that God is for me? He gave his son for me. He gave everything he had for me. So now I would read it this way. Instead of punctuating God is for us. 
I can say God is for us. He gave his only begotten son. Always the proof of God's love and hence his standing for us is the cross. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do I know that he is for me? He gave his son for me. That's how I know. Do I ever tire of it? No. Do you? No. We come around the table yet again today to rejoice in the foundational truth that God is for us. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. He didn't give us silver and gold. He gave his precious son. He redeemed us not with silver and gold, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless. This is my beloved son, God said about Jesus Christ, in whom I'm well pleased. And he gave him for us. He didn't give just a host of angels for us. I mean, that would have been great. You know, the other day we looked at that passage where Elisha knew that he was surrounded with angels and chariots of fire and he, he was relaxed. But God didn't just give a bunch of angels for us. He gave us the creator of the angels. All things came into being through Jesus Christ. And nothing has come into being that has come into being except through him. That's who he gave for us. He didn't give us heaven and earth. He gave us the one who created heaven and earth. He didn't give us our own planet someday. He gave us the one who created the universe, and he said, your fellow heirs with Christ. God is for us. Who can be against us? I'll tell you. No one, nothing can be against us. And then read it one more time with me. Look at verse 31. And read it this way. Not God is for us and not God is for us. Oh, those are true. But finally read it this way and think on it. God is for us. He causes all things to work together for good for us. He designed history for our good and his glory. You see, that's why I say you've got to keep in mind what we said last time. Don't forget what has been said already. He says, what shall we say to these things? God is for us. He moved all of history and arranged it in such a way that he would bring glory to himself and good to us, salvation to us. He foreknew us, He predestined us, He called us, He justified us, He glorified us. From eternity past to eternity future, God has purposed good for you, Christian. God is for us. Don't ever get over You know, I, I used to have a desk when I was first really getting serious in the Scripture. I had built this old desk. In fact, I still got the desk. I took the... I took a little of my handiwork off it years ago, but I had this shelf I had built, a little plywood, quarter-inch plywood shelf where I could put books right looking at me, just eye level. And on the edge of that plywood, I remember I'd put little phrases out of Scripture when they were first gripping me. And this verse 31 was on there for quite a while. If God is for us, who's against us? That's all it said, just right there on the edge of the plywood. 
And I'll tell you, he is for us. We got to remember that and live out of that victory and live in that joy and power. He purchased us at infinite cost. You're his most precious possession. He put you in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're part of his body. To touch us is to touch Christ. Saul, Saul, Jesus Christ said. You remember when he came to Saul on the road to Damascus? Why are you persecuting my people? Is that what he said? Why are you persecuting me? We are in Christ. When you persecute Christ's people, you're persecuting Christ. Oh, what a tremendous position to be in. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no one we should fear. There is therefore now nothing we should worry about. We're in Christ. God is for us. We don't have to fear anyone or anything. Enjoy it. You know, I, I look at you and I say, there might be someone here who can't enjoy these things. Maybe you just listen in, but you say, oh, I wish I could say that. God is for me. The Christian says he loved me and delivered himself up for me. Listen, non-Christian, you knew about Christianity. You're kind of around the edge, the fringe. You're here at church. You're worshiping with us, but you've never really put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus stood up on the last day of the feast, you remember, and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's what Christ says to you today. Today, if you hear his voice, his voice is saying, Come to me. Don't come to a church. Don't come to a system of thought. You don't come to a new philosophy of life. You come to a person, Jesus Christ, God himself, who is the one who died and rose again for your sin. You come to him, and he'll give you life. That's what Jesus is saying. The spirit and the bride are saying what? Same thing. Come. Come, drink of the water of life without cost. You say, there must be a catch. Uh, he did it all. He did it all. You come to him. You come as a sinner, you turn from your sin to the only Savior, and you can come around this table and for the first time realize what it's all about, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for you and for me. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, God is for Us, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. The measure of God's love The measure of his being for us is that he gave his son. He didn't spare his only son. He loved me, delivered himself up for me. And we saw last time that this puts us in the most secure, enviable place in the universe. We are in Christ. We're part of his body so that to touch us is to touch the most precious possession he has. When Saul was busy persecuting what he thought was just a religious sect, he was persecuting Christians, the body of Christ. And God spoke from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Oh, Christian, bask in it. God is for you. Who can be against you? Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the six-part series titled, God is for us. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.